Welcome back, everybody, to episode 11 or 12. I, have, I can't remember. I have to do the math later. Uh, sitting down tonight with Tom, the beekeeper. Hello, uh, hello, hello. Uh, this I, We got to talking at, our, at my full-time job. I think we must have killed, what, an hour, hour and a half? Seems yeah. like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Goes and, fast. And I've listened to a couple other podcasts about beekeeping, and I, it's like, this is fascinating me. I, you know, something I'd like to do as a retirement project someday, so I want to get you down here. Thanks for coming down, making the no trip. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, first off, I mean, tell tell the listeners about yourself a little bit. Oh well, geez, how much time do we really have on this show? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty, pretty. I fancy myself pretty, pretty well. So, um, so I started beekeeping. Oh, it's about eight and a half, going on nine years in the spring. Usually, you order your bees in the winter and you get them in April. So that's about when I started beekeeping. Other than that, I have uh, my real job, as I do my little air quotes here on is uh, I'm a uh, painter. I have a painting company with uh, approximately nine guys that work for me. So Keeps you busy. Oh, just keeps a tad. Just a tad, yeah. <laughs> it keeps everybody busy. Uh, and so did you have a background in beekeeping prior to that, or was it this nope. kind of something you looked into one day and go, you know, I want to give this a hand? Yeah, I'm just one of those guys that's, you know, hey, I'm going to try chickens, so I bought chickens. I'm going to try turkeys that... You know, beekeeping's always interested me, so uh, I said, "I'll, I'll give it, a, give it a whirl, and see what happens." And that's pretty much—I call it a fish tank with wings—is what it is. So, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where you just you just dive into it, and then you you know you'll never fix all your mistakes. Uh, the guy that's mentoring me—he's been beekeeping for a little over 28 years, and uh, you know things constantly change, so it's something you have to keep up on. But it's it's very interesting, very fascinating. So and. Real expensive hobby to get into? Or? No, no. As far as hobby goes, no. It's uh, it's relatively cheap. Um, all set in with the bees and all the equipment, you can get in right around that 400, 500 range. Depends. I mean, every every hobby has the top end and the low end when it comes to equipment. So it all depends. You know, you can get a you know nice shiny stainless steel hive tool, <laughs> or you can get a you know blue painted one made in China. So. Right. It just all depends on how fancy you really want to be with it. So and potential lead positive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Chinese steel. Now, is it real expensive? Then you know. I, okay, so I just bought my first hive. I'm doing this as a hobby, and now I want to start selling it out of the back of my truck. I mean, is that a real big jump for? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, it all depends on the bees, the beekeeper, and the season. Um, so some seasons we have last year was a very good nectar season. So a lot of people made a lot of honey or the bees did. We just steal it. So, um, so no, it is not, it's not hard at all. And it's not unheard of. I had, I had one hive. Now this is, this is above and beyond, but I had one hive that produced a little over 400 pounds of takeaway honey. Oh, wow. (laughs) Just one hive. So, I mean, you want to leave about 70 pounds of honey for the bees for the winter and the rest is yours to take. So bees are one of the few creatures that produce more than they could ever use so now in the wild what would they do with the excess honey just kind of sit on that yep just sit on it and probably never get yeah never get used yeah (laughs) black bears the biggest nemesis yeah other bees they rob each other so sure what kind of maintenance are you looking at then throughout the season and then off season well lately beekeeping has come a little more a little more high maintenance than it was let's say 12 15 years ago there's a uh and one of the main things that's destroying bees now, and, and you've probably heard about it in the news and everything, there's a mite that came over from Asia, just like just like everything else that's not supposed to be here, and uh, that mite is is uh, very detrimental to bees. Um, uh, I'd say about a couple of years ago, you were lucky if you got 50% hive retention. So, if you had 10 hives and five of them lived over the winter, 
that was considered good. So, so with that, with that might, you have responsibilities now as a beekeeper, not only for you, but for the bees. So, um, I personally treat up to three times a year for mites and, and the cost is still, it's still down on the, on the low end and all the treatments are organic. Well, not all of them. Some of them are organic. So you have mostly acids and, uh, you apply them, you know, three times a year and you can keep your mite levels down, which keeps diseases down and colony collapse down. And, and then hopefully you can, uh, have them make survive through the winter. What's the application process like for that? I mean, without... <clears throat> Yeah, then there's without hurting the bees, but still killing the mites. I right, imagine. right. Uh, most all most of them are contact. Uh, so basically, you're you know when you're when you're keeping bees, you have deeps. The deep box is the box that they house their brood and bees in, and then the supers are what. And this is very loose terms. There's you know mediums, and you know some people call it this, some people call it that. So, um, <clears throat> in your deep box, you can either run two or three. The U of M. Uh, preaches a, a three deep system so you have three boxes instead of two I personally run two deeps not saying it's good or bad it's just my preference um, so basically you open up the deep and again without getting in too much detail you pretty much lay like a, a strip or you insert some kind of a strip inside and the bees either walk across it or get contact or get a vapor from that and then that uh, that takes care of the mites sure. now it just lowers their population doesn't necessarily kill them and bees are social so you may treat mites and your neighbor doesn't treat mites and now you're sharing his mites back and forth with yours so that's why you and that's why we're learning that we need to treat several times a year instead of just once or none sure was that a learning curve with the industry oh definitely yeah. definitely yeah the u of m is, is is a wonderful uh they just built a huge bee lab uh and they will be the pretty much the premier in the country on on beekeeping and bees themselves and uh, without their help, it was uh, it would have been pretty rough. So, yeah. and it's, aside from mites, I mean, how else are you controlling the population? I mean, talking to you in the store, a, a new queen pops up several times throughout the season. They yeah. can, yep, they can. It's called uh, it's in, in nature. Bees generally want to divide and conquer. So, um, naturally, bees are going to want to. It's called swarm. So basically, what happens is once their living quarters start to get full. The queen figures, okay, we're big enough. We can we can move basically. So, what'll happen is uh, the worker bees will feed uh, an egg or a larvae extra loyal, royal jelly, and that will produce that particular bee into a queen bee or a bee cell. And uh, they produce several of those. And once that cell is capped, uh, a queen bee, the original queen, takes all the field bees or all the bees that can fly out and uh, collect nectar, they, uh, <clears throat> she'll take that workforce with her, she'll leave and go find a new home. In the meantime, those several queen cells, and it's usually multiple, you know, anywhere between two to 15 cells in a, in a colony, um, once it's capped, she leaves. Once the first queen emerges from whichever one was along the furthest, she will exit out and proceed to kill every other queen that is in the hive and then there go she becomes the queen and uh so to prevent that you there's a little bit of maintenance during certain times of the season basically during the nectar flow which sparks a lot of activity the more nectar the more she'll lay the more bees you'll have um to prevent that you have to go into the hive about every six days look for those queen cells and if you don't want them to divide 
basically eliminate those queen cells so now the colony knows that there's nothing to replace this queen if she leaves and she typically stays. Gotcha. What, when you're looking for the queen cell, I mean, what makes them different from the other you know, 100 or so that are floating around? So as you can see, honeycomb is, you know, a direct pattern. It's, you know, hexagon yeah. shaped. Um, that cell actually protrudes out and starts to hang down and it looks like, basically it looks like a, a peanut or a small, really small, skinny morel mushroom. So uh, you cannot miss it. I mean, they're, they're usually about an inch or so long, <clears throat> and they hang out from the from the center. Sometimes they're on the bottom. Um, yeah, and, and you basically cannot miss this this queen cell. Yeah. Although some beekeepers tend to miss them <laughs> and their hive swarm. Yeah. No, it's my first year beekeeping, and I miss it. And I, you know, I missed one in there. So my queen flies off. You know, how far is she going? So they're not interfering or they're you know they're not knocking each other's turf you know and it all depends um they can they can fly very far to establish a new colony or somewhat close um usually that queen will go a little bit of a distance because she doesn't want to intermingle with her old colony um but as far as as it being a bad thing yes and no i mean it's not going to hurt your chances of beekeeping i mean you still have a perfectly good colony um, if you plan on getting honey, now you just delayed that honey process because that queen has to emerge, which takes up to seven days. She has to go get mated, come back. There's a certain gestation period with the with the eggs, and then she can start laying eggs and start a new colony. So you're going to miss a huge window of nectar gathering. So basically, your honey crop can uh, almost miss almost a complete month of. And in Minnesota, we have a very short period of of nectar. So yeah. I uh, if you were putting, you know, how could you ballpark how many pounds of honey you'd be missing out in that 30 days? No, because, again, that all depends. There's so many variables when it comes to beekeeping, um, you know, colony size, your nectar flow. and I mean, it can vary from from city to city. So Wyoming, for instance, could be great, and Stacy, which is five miles away, could have a poor nectar flow. So um, that, that honey flow, like I said, that one hive almost 400 pounds the one right next to it maybe 60 pounds so it all depends on multiple variables and there is is there anything that you can do like you know i'm going to plant these flowers in this area to try to help that out or is it just kind of bees are going to do what bees do bees are going to do what bees do unless you're talking acreage um you know several acres is something that would contribute but if you're going to plant you know flowers in your yard yard that's probably you know definitely attract some beautiful butterflies and whatnot right. but yeah as far as so I mean, uh, kind of talking about that, uh, a couple years ago, Cheerios did this whole big thing where they were pushing, like, plant these seeds in your yard to, like, help promote honeybee populations, and it turned out that they were all invasive species. Do you, <laughs> like, did you hear about that at all, or? I, I, heard it so, I heard something along those lines, and their heart was in the right place because... Yes. You figure, you know, if a million people are eating Cheerios and a million people plant seeds, well, now you're talking a gigantic yeah. scale of... We, you know, the thing is, with, with beekeeping and, and nectar itself, uh, majority of the plants are not what you would think. So you're not getting nectar out of, like, a rose bush or something like that. Generally, most of your nectar be- comes from an invasive species or weeds. I mean, weeds is the number one thing that bee bees get their their oh really okay weeds and trees yeah so like when when something's like so as a brewer i see a lot of like orange blossom honey and like (laughs) specific flowers tied to a honey that's not really so 
<laughs> when it comes to the honey world, a lot of things can have loose terms. Okay. Yes, there is orange blossom honey. So there's a, a beehive that's in an orange grove of trees, and it can have a, a slight taste of orange in it. Okay. So it, it, technically, yeah, it's orange blossom honey, but <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not going to be local to Minnesota. Well, yeah, I can no. tell you that. Yeah, yeah. That's more Florida-type right. thing. So. Yeah. So, uh, like, in Minnesota, like, if you were, like, well, when you sell your honey, what do you, do you just do, like, local Minnesota honey, or do you try to tie a... Nope, yeah, local, brand to it, local honey is, is definitely the best thing. If you're, you know, shopping around... Um, basically local honey would be the thing you'd want to buy. You try to want to buy it from a beekeeper, you know, can stay away from big box stores. Not saying that all their honey is, is bad, but you know, there is a lot of political things that go on with honey that we have zero time to talk about on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that can taint that, you know, that, that hundred percent pure honey aspect in the store. So if like, if, if the random listener right now is... Like going out to a store to buy honey, what are like? Can you give them like two things to be like, hey, look for this and this to make sure that you're getting honey instead of a honey substitute? Yes, definitely. Um, first thing is flip it over, look at the label. If your first ingredient does not say honey and it says high fructose corn syrup, <laughs> you have a problem. That is definitely <laughs> that is definitely honey that's been that's been you know tampered. It's just with. colored things yeah, in a bag. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> Um, definitely look for labels that you, uh, like city labels that you've known, like Hinkley or, you know, somewhere along those lines. A lot of grocery stores are now selling what you could say semi-local or local honey. Um, obviously anything that has a phone number, you can call them up and say, Hey, I know I just purchased this honey. Is this a real thing? Are you really an apiary that's, uh, you know, that sells honey to this grocery store just okay. to make sure. Cause you know, a label can also be manipulated to the, to the bad part. So, um, or the best place is know somebody that's a beekeeper. There's a lot of beekeepers out there. Farmers markets is a great place to okay. get your honey. Again, same deal. You know, you want to check those labels. You know, they're oh really? There's some nefarious farmer oh, market yeah, honey yeah, out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, certain city, Minneapolis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my wife was out shopping at the local farmers market, and we being beekeepers, she thought she'd take a peek, and uh, it was actually on the maple syrup label. She spun it around, and it said the first ingredient was high fructose corn syrup, and he was selling 100% pure maple syrup. Huh. Well, so. I feel like one of those things does not add up. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I watched Sesame Street enough times. Yeah. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah, right, right, right. I asked her, did they peel the Aunt Jemima label right off? Or <laughs> was it still in the woman-shaped bottle? Or what was going on here? So. Had the nifty little microwave yeah, yeah. label on there so you could... <laughs> I mean, this is the world we are coming to where you pretty much have to know where your food is coming from, and it's a good idea to do that. So, so. like, what kind of regulation is there on honey, Ben? Like, like I mean, is, is the term honey protected? Like, this is sugar that comes from beehives. You know, there's and, – and that's kind of a loose term as well. Um, you know, there's there's a couple documentaries out there. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about documentaries yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. YouTube has a really good one. It, uh, the, ser- the show is called Rotten, and the very first episode of Rotten is on honey. And I suggest everybody take take that into consideration and watch that show because you will be amazed after you get done watching that episode how many things happen. I mean, there's regulations now because of uh, basically Chinese honey was being brought into this country, and they do not have regulations on how they treat their bees. So they could be treating them with 
chemicals that could be deadly to humans. Oh, wow. Um, you know, it's, it's all about a numbers game, a dollar thing. Um, so the U.S. ended up putting a, a tariff on imported honey from China. Well, of course, like everything else, there's ways around everything. So China would just simply ship it to a different country. They'd slap their label on it and then ship it back into the United uh. States. So, yeah. Watch the show. It's, it's a very, very informative and kind of a very scary show to watch. So only buy honey from a beekeeper you trust. That's my recommendation, <laughs> yes. Or... If you can't find a beekeeper locally that you uh, that you know and trust, uh, you sell honey online, right? Uh, I, I do. I, <laughs> shameless plug, plug. Shows about yeah. you. That's what we do here. Nature'sNectarOnline.com. Thank you very much. All one word. All right. And, and so going back, just to backtrack a little bit, you know, so you're at – you're able to grow your production of honey or what you want to. Um, sure. And can you take one of those queen cells and move it into a new hive and keep it? Oh, local? definitely. Yep. Definitely. They're not going to get pissed off at one another and kind of interfere. Or yeah. Safe. That's called a, um, so actually in the spring, let's say you buy bees, everything's fine and dandy all summer long. You overwinter your bees. And then the, the following spring, your bees are now an established colony. All the comb has been drawn out and everything's good. Um, you actually want to want to divide your colony. So what you would basically do is split your colony pretty much, not necessarily in half, but you're taking brood and bees from one colony, adding it to another, and then you will, you will buy a queen, a bred queen that's already been fertilized, and you're putting that queen into that second hive. Now that helps, again, with swarming and everything, because now you've reduced the original colony, and you've gotten rid, not gotten rid, but now you know you have a one-and-a-half-year-old queen that's in your original colony, and you have a brand-new queen in this colony, so you kind of keep the cycle going. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to backtrack, you know, the first time I really got to listen to about uh, beekeeping and everything was actually James Hetfield, lead singer of Metallica, you know, talking oh, yeah. to me. He <laughs> went off on, like, a little hour-and-a-half tangent, but I'm like, oh, my God, there's all this stuff, so... Um, just trying to hit the main highlights for people that maybe want to get into, into this. Um, now, going back, you know, talking about the orange, orange, uh, orange, orange blossom. blossom honey. Do you do contract uh, pollinating? I guess, for lack of a better term. I personally don't, but a lot of beekeepers do. Um, it's a very nice way to make money. Um, it is uh, again, you have to have to take your time and consider is consider it your time that you have involved in moving these bees, putting them on a location, pollinating, and then moving them back. So typically in Minnesota, your pollinators are, are going to be um, uh, apple orchards is the number one thing here because we don't really have a whole lot to choose from. It's not like California where we're doing almonds and cranberries and all sorts of other things. Um, so here in Minnesota, we do apples and uh, apple blossoms, they don't blossom very long. They're They're here I think it's six or seven days. Uh, yeah, so it's yeah, short. about a yeah. week. Like yeah. It's yeah, and then they're done. So basically, and they're one of the first things to, to, to bloom, to blossom. So um, you're not really looking for honey out of those apple blossoms. You know, you're basically just doing a pollination is what you're doing. So, And it can be very lucrative. I mean, uh, apple orchards, their yields are, you know, there's percentages out there up in, you know, the 20 to 30% extra yield by having bees on your in your orchard which i mean i'm a testament to that i have apples i have uh, 11 trees in my front yard 
And since I've had bees there, I've watched with and without bees. And it's, it's, you know, and apples do go through a cycle, you know, some years they produce, some years they don't, but the years that they do, I mean, I, you know, I'm pick, I'm out there picking apples way early just because my branches are snapping and falling off the tree. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had an apple tree where I used to live, did not bloom for seven, eight years. I'm like, all right, fine. And I'm looking at it in the winter. It's, you know, nothing obviously, but this spring, I'm finally, I'm just going to cut it down. I'm going to... Yeah, you really shouldn't try to gauge your apple tree in the winter. Right, no, no. Like, like seven <laughs> summers... Dead. Yeah, seven summers in a row, it's like, all right, it's not going to bloom. So that spring, I come out there with the with the chainsaw, and it's a full bloom. I'm like, really? You son of a... <laughs> no, at, at like, we heard the chainsaw starting yeah. up. He's like, I better do something. Apple trees are really finicky. Like, yeah. growing up, we had four of them in the backyard, and some years we'd get nothing, and then some years we'd have more apples than we know what to do with. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I planted two Honeycrisp apples, and they made it most of the way through the winter, and I even put the wrapper on the bark to try to protect them from the stupid rabbits. Well, damn rabbits wait till the snow piled up, get up there, ate all higher. the freaking branches oh, yeah, in there. Yeah. Bastards. Damn rabbits. That's a honey Honeycrisp, I think, is a five-year crop, so... Yeah. Yeah, don't expect apples for the first four years. So. That, and that's what I was kind of hoping to do on is because I threw, like we were talking off air about my apple pie moonshine. Yeah, yeah. I put honey, I put two and a half pounds of Honeycrisp apples in one of the boils, and it came out phenomenally. So I'm like, oh, what if I just grow these and cut my drive time and cost on that end of things? But <laughs> See you in five years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, Maybe. I can, I can be patient. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Got nothing but time. And uh, when we're at the store, we're talking, you know, when you bring a bee out, you know, to an orchard, you you mentioned that they can find where their house is again. Uh, just mind touching base on that. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was awesome. It's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So if, uh, we'll, we'll even skip the pollinating part. We'll even do you one better. So when you order bees, they're typically coming from a southern state. Uh, we get our bees from California. Um, and... <clears throat> you get that package of bees, and it comes with either a two-pound or a three-pound package, which, again, we sell those on naturesnectaronline.com, all one word. Um, <laughs> just a little worth yeah. this. Just be going constantly. Yeah, in the background. Like <laughs> so uh, you take that package, and it has two or three pounds of bees in it and a queen in it, and you take that package, and you put it into your, into your box, into your deep with your frames and everything, uh, lock it all up, plug the hole so that no, no bees can get out, usually do that overnight or for at least 12 hours um you go out the next day and you can pull that cork out and that bee can f- come out fly around maybe do one maybe two loops around the hive and boom that bee can fly up to three it's even been up to five miles in 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 a circle and fly out for five miles and come right back to its hive and all it had to do is do one loop around that hive and figure out its coordinates and go doesn't have an, wow. any kind of a tom tom or a gps or nothing it just just knows where to so go Matt, if you do take it out to an orchard you better make sure you're farther out than five yep. miles yeah so yeah from from there. from where you started yeah you want to at least as a crow flies at least three miles apart from where the colony originally was or else all your bees are gonna fly out of this orchard hole and they're gonna fly all the way back to their house <laughs> and be doing loops around your yard going okay our house was here just four hours ago what what's going what happened? on right so like if an orchard is within like what like what's the radius where so like if you're within like two miles of a beekeeper like is your orchard going to be pollinated then or does the hive need to be like in the center of the orchard no no definitely definitely could be pollinated um again they can do you know uh, huge radius around that center point of where their hive is they can go you know up to up to uh, basically 
what's it, three miles in every direction. Okay. So whatever the circumference of that is, that's what they can go. Um, typically, though, with, with apples, uh, again, we're talking early season. Bees don't like to fly when it's super chilly because they got to fly all the way there and make it all the way back. So, so they'd be close by. Yes, yes. It would be definitely more beneficial if you had them in your orchard versus waiting for somebody okay. that's nearby to hopefully pollinate your trees. All right. And a lot of apple orchards, they get it and they, they contract it or they just keep bees themselves. So, Which makes sense. Total sense. Right? Yep, 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 definitely. No. If, if, go yeah, no, go ahead. No, I say if you have an orchard, yeah, I would strongly recommend keeping <laughs> so, your own bees. Yeah. Like, as as a beekeeper yourself, would it be easier to transport bees or to contract with an orchard? And say, hey, why don't you guys like buy the hives and stuff, and for X amount of year, I'll go out there and just maintain it. Yeah, that's that's another good point. Uh, a lot of people actually, a lot of people are starting to do that now. They're okay. basically contract beekeepers, and you pay for the equipment, you pay for the bees. I'll take care of them, and people are doing uh, like a fifty-fifty split of the honey or okay. you know, certain things like that. But, you know, a lot of orchards they do use you know pesticides and everything, so there is that you have okay, to take that yeah. into you know they're they're trying to kill every other bug and, and they're but not, not the bee stuff, and, right yeah. yeah. So some people you know lock up the hives for a little while while they're spraying or you know try to remove them and then bring them back after after okay. a certain time. So and. So, you know, going back to temperature, especially over winter, early spring, especially here in Minnesota, Wisconsin, where it's cold as hell for yep. way too long. You know, bees, are they self-regulating the temperature of the hive? Or, or do you have to, as a keeper, do you have to do anything to kind of give them a hand? Um, yeah, we, we have, uh, uh, they're called a winter cover, which is basically some sort of a black cover. Uh, they make insulated ones that help out with... Uh, with heat retention, but you got to figure you're still trying to heat the entire box and you have a ball of bees that are doing this heat. So typically the inside of the box is, is the same temperature as the outside, but with it being a black wrap like that, you know, you get sun exposure and that sun exposure helps heat that hive up. So it gives them a little bit of a break, but the bees themselves, they're feeding off honey all winter long. So they're in a, a tight cluster. And that cluster is constantly moving down, up, and over each frame as it's as it's consuming its winter stores of honey, and they can keep that little ball, you know, very very warm in the winter. You know, you're talking in the 60s to 70 degrees inside oh, wow. that in that in that little ball of bees. So, and you know, come springtime, they start producing honey. I mean. How long before you're able to harvest, and how many times are you able to harvest over the year? You typically harvest harvest once, once a year, and um, right about now is when people start harvesting. Um, again, you can you can kind of play nature a little bit and try to figure out. Right now, we're having a, a goldenrod, which is uh, the bright, tall, kind of pom pom looking flowers that you see all over in ditches and everything. And where my hives, some of my hives are in North Branch, Minnesota, um, you can see that the bees are really working that. So sometimes just because you have a flower and it's a, it's a nectar producing flower doesn't mean that that flower at that time is producing nectar. They'll still flower and they, they might not have a large flow. They could have a small flow of, of nectar. So if you see your bees working it, odds are it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good nectar flow for that particular plant. So, uh, and that's happening right now. So you can push your you can push your nectar collecting time way back. It just depends on what's blooming. Or you can harvest early. It just all depends on what you want to do personally. And roughly, I mean, how much does one hive produce for you? Again, that comes back to, uh, you know, several different factors. But, I mean, 
we tell people your first year, try not to expect honey, you know, uh, just because if you buy all brand new equipment, there's a lot of work that bees have to do with this equipment. So they have to build out comb, which basically if you get a box that comes with 10 frames, which again, you can buy on Nature's Nectar online, all word, 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 word. <laughs> um, these frames, they have to take and build wax off these frames. So all the frames have to be built out before they can start either putting pollen, nectar, or eggs in them. Um, and that takes a lot of effort, a lot of work, and a lot of nectar, a lot of, you know, the bees are working that hard. So um, if you start out brand spanking new, we tell people don't expect honey. If you get it, it's a bonus. So, um, and then once your colony's overwintered, now it's established, all that work has been done, your second year, you're more likely, a lot more likely to get honey the second year. Okay, that'd be cool. Uh, and besides just the honey, I mean, when you, we were talking off air about other applications like the beeswax and everything else. I mean, yep, what yep. else are you looking at that you're yep. able to kind of monetize, if you will? Right, right. Um, yeah, bees, obviously you have beeswax. Uh, propolis is another thing that you can harvest from bees. Uh, uh, pollen, pollen itself. Um, I've probably seen local pollen for sale and, you know, it comes in, by the, they sell by the gram. So, um Again, these are all things that you can definitely harvest. You want to just kind of regulate how much you're, because obviously they're bringing, honey is the thing that they produce in excess, pollen and propolis. The propolis is, is a, it's like a gluey substance that they use to glue things together, um, which is definitely harvestable as well, but you don't want to take too much because they're, they're producing it for a reason and you don't want to deplete their resources and then what they need for later on, you've deplete, depleted because you want to get some extra stuff that you shouldn't have took in <laughs> right and i of course i've seen you know all natural beeswax this that and the other thing at the grocery stores and stuff like that i mean is that the actual wax that they're building can you just take that from the bee and they're like oh shit there's a hole in the wall just quick patch it together right you know? right right so um w when it comes to collecting beeswax so what you do is uh once you put your honey supers on uh bees will come up they'll build that out with wax and then once the nectar is at a certain moisture content, which they draw out the moisture with their wings, they actually fan the nectar out. Oh, wow. Or fan, fan the nectar and then pull the moisture out by fanning it out, and then they'll cap it at a certain moisture content, and then, then, it's, then it's honey. It's no longer nectar. It's now it's honey. Well, to get that honey out of there, you have to uncap it. So you, you can, you know, there's, there's capping scratch. There's all, again, here we're going back into the... You know, if you want to be, you know, a big beekeeper, you go and buy a capping machine that can do frame after frame on a conveyor belt, or you can grab a thing that looks basically like a like a bent comb, and you can scratch it off yourself. Um, it's just like a big knife, really, is what you're kind of like scraping yep. across there, That's right? That's another thing, yeah. yep. So they have capping scratchers, capping knives. They have electric capping knives. They have heated capping knives. <laughs> I mean, again, all these products cap. are available at a certain website that I'm not going to name anymore. Uh, I, I believe that's uh, Nature's something. Oh, man, I can't quite yeah. remember. Nature's nectar? I think it rolls <laughs> off the tongue, whatever it is. I know, yeah, no, it I, I, believe, I believe it's alliterative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's all one word. <laughs> Yeah, it's all together. I just remember seeing uh, it. Yeah, na Nature's Nectar Online, I believe. I think that's com. it. Yeah, that might be it. That, that might be it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, talking about the fanning, I was actually I was watching a documentary where uh, a wasp got into the hive, killed one bee, and all of a sudden the rest of the all, all the bees swarmed it and actually cooked the wasp to death. Yep, yep. yep. It's like, holy oh, wow. shit. Yeah, well, they raised, so the, that, raised the temperature of the bee. That, yeah. that kind of, uh, so I've heard about, like, uh, quote-unquote, like, Africanization of a hive, like where it becomes like super aggressive and yes, like is is like because uh, 
if I under, if I understood what I read correctly, there's uh, there's like an infestation of uh, was it like African killer bees or whatever that take over hives. Is that a thing that you have to worry about, or am I do, am I completely taking that the wrong way? No, no. You uh, there's definitely Africanized bees. Uh, typically down south, they can't make it to a certain line. Uh, okay, the temperature prevents them from doing that. Uh, typically, with more aggressive bees. The reason they were brought here was because the more aggressive, obviously, the more honey they're going to produce. So they are definitely great honey producers, but we're talking a nightmare to deal with. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. It is, I mean, it is no joke. I mean, the term killer bees is, is, is used loosely a little bit, we say, but uh, people down in Texas and California, I mean, they actually duct tape their clothes together. Um, there's, oh, wow. There's, yeah, you can watch uh, YouTube videos of people working with Afri- Africanized bees, and they're basically wiping the bees off there because they're trying to do exactly what you said. They're basically trying to suffocate or raise your body temperature, and you see people wiping them off their veils constantly like a windshield wiper, just inches thick of bees trying to get them off. So. Wow. But... They produce a lot of honey, so there's a give so there, there's the give and take. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so but your bee is like how how many times have you been stung? Uh, today? Well, you know, like is, 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 it, is it something like you go out and you get stung every time, or is it like a rare thing, or is it just kind of uh, okay? So as a business owner, I'm going to say you shouldn't get stung ever because you should have all the proper equipment. Now, as a beekeeping owner and a, a beginner at some point uh, a while back. You typically don't go into your beehives in the morning hours and the evening hours or when it's cloudy or rainy because your more aggressive bees, which are your field bees, which are also your bees that are collecting nectar, are all still at home. So you pop that open at 6 o'clock in the morning when everybody's waking up. It's kind of similar to us, you know. Yeah, they haven't had their coffee yet and they're pissed off. (laughs) Or your mom's waking you up for school, you know. It's like, it's time to go to school, and and you don't want to go to school. So... And the only thing that's stopping you is your mom. So either yell at your mom or sting the beekeeper. Same, same. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's definitely one of those practice what you preach things. Uh, don't go in there. Well, of course, you know, it's five, five, six, seven o'clock at night. You're getting home from, you know, from work. From work. And I want to go play with my bees a little bit. Well, <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. It's definitely doable, you know. But uh, again, I, I, I kind of want to go, you know outside the box and, and, and not put my veil on and not put my gloves on. And yeah, I'll, like, I'll, I'll probably be fine. Oh yeah. I just got to check real quick. And you know, and that's another term in beekeeping, you know, I'm just going to look at one hive and you have 11 of them sitting in front of you. And for some reason you never check just one <laughs> <laughs> and you never have enough time. So yeah, and the podcast with James Hetfield, he was talking about that, you know, never wear black when you're going to work with your beehive. Because Definitely. Apparently they think you're a bear yep, and predator. they just go nuts and will start attacking. Yep. So I've Gordon's actually, never allowed to have bees. No. <laughs> he just looks like a bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might want to shave Gordon. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're not helping your odds. You're not helping in your odds. Uh, yeah, I wore actually black latex gloves one time, and um, bees can somewhat still sting through it, but a lot of times they de- the latex does deflect them. I'm not promoting this by any means, but I just happened to have them on. I was too lazy to take them off, and I could wave my hand over the top after I opened the hive up, and you could see the bees fly up and bouncing off that. They could tell that they, they didn't want to have anything to do with that black. Wow. Yeah, very, very aggressive. Yeah. So how hands-on is a hive? Uh, as much as you really want, um, you know. Again, you're now with the with the introduction of mites, um, you have to go in there a little bit more than most, but or most of the time when you did in the past. But um, again, it's 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 kind of like a how much do you want to be involved? You know, you can. 
go to a store, buy an aquarium, throw some water in it, throw some goldfish in it, and call it good. And you could probably leave those goldfish in there all winter long or all summer long and not have to mess with them and feed them every once in a while. Bees are on the, uh, on the same uh, on the same token. We, we, we tell people that you should mess with your bees. You should see what's going on. You know, I mean, there are precautions you have to take because the more times you go in there, more chance you are uh, having killing your queen. Uh, the one bee out of you know, hundred thousand bees that you don't want to kill. Don't sir. kill the queen. Yeah, the queen is good. It's, yeah, it's, it's like good. the most expensive version of chess. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of like driving a Ferrari without a steering wheel. You know, it's just, got this really nice, nice car, but if you can't drive it, it's yeah. it's not a good car. Well, that's another thing that they brought up. Uh, James had multiple hives, and he had one queen who apparently was telling the recipes be more aggressive towards the keeper. Oh, towards definitely. him and his wife. Yep. Yep. They went in there, found the queen, killed her, put a new queen in, and everything mellowed out. I yep. mean, immediately. Yep. Is that... I wouldn't say immediately, because that gene is still in all of those bees. So that this kind of has to work its way yep, yep. through. The, and what's the lifespan of a bee, then? Um, it depends. You have... Uh, right now, we're, the bees are actually going through a change. Metabolic, metamorphosis, whatever you want to call it. They're basically changing from summer bees to winter bees. So now these bees will actually live all winter long, where normally bees are, uh, I think they're 32 days, something like that. So So you have to play, like, game of hives with your bees. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you pick and choose, you know. (laughs) These are the Lannister bees. Yeah, They're uh... They're the ones most likely survive, so. a good one though. Yeah. <laughs> and we only got what one more year before the next episode yeah. right. besides you know besides the mites i mean what else is causing bee decline um there is uh pesticides obviously are the number you know way up there as far as uh, uh destroying hives and stuff but you know the farmers they get it i mean they need bees just as much as everybody else so they're starting to get on board, so there is some regulations as far as when they can spray pesticides because it's not necessarily the, the farm crops, it's more the drift. So if a farmer is spraying crops on a cornfield, well, bees don't pollinate, we don't mess with corn, but if that if it's, you know, 10-mile-an-hour wind, well, that some of that pesticide is going to carry on to the ditches where the bees, that's their home. You know, that's, where again, where you have the weeds and everything else that people don't want. That's where the bees want to be. So you have this drift and, you know, you know, bees are bringing back all this pesticide and it's, you know, slowly depleting hives that way as well. So. And Casey, if you have any questions, jump in. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about the honey. Uh, we were talking about that a little bit offline. I mean, not just orange blossom or apple blossom, anything like that, but you mentioned grades of honey. You know, I mean, what's yeah, so what gr- makes it more or less expensive? Is it? Name uh, brand versus, or is it necessarily? No, um, you know, there's there's multiple honey. Manuka honey is is a, is a honey that's extremely expensive, and it's just because of where it comes from and, and the availability of it. Um, but as far as uh, like Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, we are the number one as far as it comes to uh, honey production. You would think it would be somebody like California, but they just don't. They don't have the Again, the the invasive species, the weeds, the the trees that we have up here that that produce really good honey. So, and a lot of it, a lot. So, and are those southern states? Are they able to produce year round, or their bees kind of go into their winter time? Yeah, kind of the same. Loose term would be winter. Yeah, um, you know they they uh, they typically don't have nectar plants in the winter like down in Texas. Uh, you know, and then there's always some plants, and you know people that plant 
certain flowers that they can pull nectar from. Yeah, they have that. But but for the most part, when you when you winter your bees, you have to feed them down there. So. So like you you were talking before uh, about how like certain certain plants nectar at different times. Is there a way to kind of like game the system a little bit? Be like, well, so if I plant an acre of this crop or of this plant, like, or overseed this area with this, and then this acre over here with this, like, to get more honey production out throughout the throughout like the flowering months, or yeah, you can definitely manipulate it. Again, you're playing with Mother Nature, so just yeah. because you plant something doesn't doesn't mean it will produce nectar. Okay. Yeah, and I flower and bloom and yeah. everything, but. but it, yeah, so if you did something that, like, flowers, like, late <clears throat> in the season, then you might get a better yield later in the season? Or? Right, right. Okay. Like, uh, buckwheat honey is is a late-blooming nectar plant, um, and buckwheat is a, uh, it's an acquired taste, I guess you could say, <laughs> if anybody's ever had buckwheat. Uh, you know. I've had it, uh, like, in bags and stuff, yep. but never actually eaten it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, nobody wants to. <laughs> it's, uh... And when we sell a lot of buckwheat honey, and it, it, it's basically a 50-50 whether you're going to like it or not. Okay. I mean, I mean I'm not a big coffee drinker, so I I, I tip. I don't like buckwheat honey. I don't like the taste, the aftertaste. It has a very, can, like, astringent coffee. Yeah. I mean, I've heard anything between, from coffee, molasses, uh, an old barn. Tastes like an old barn smells. <laughs> I all mean, right. Well, I mean, all of these are up my alley. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I should really like buckwheat honey, I yeah, guess. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Nothing like old barn smell, you know. I'll splash a little old barn on before I go That's that, That's just, uh, that's just the bread of, si- or bread of Myasis beer. Like, yeah. If it tastes like a horse blanket, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely recommend trying it because it is it is surprising. I We set up at farmer's markets and we have both buckwheat and, and and regular honey, I guess you could say regular, but, um, and it will be about a 50, 50, whether the, and I make everybody try it before they, before they buy it. Cause I don't want to send them home and then I'll with a taste, bad product. Yeah. This tastes like an old barn. What's he do selling? Do you do any, uh, honey blending, I guess? Like if you have like a large quantity of this buckwheat and you, uh, if you blend it with a smaller quantity of your quote unquote regular honey, would that balance like balance out the flavor a little bit? And yeah, actually, uh, you can mistakenly blend. So when okay. you when you have buckwheat honey and your hives are in a buckwheat field, they're going to collect that buckwheat. And if you're not on top of switching frames out before and after that buckwheat blooms, the bees are going to mix it up for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's def- there's just like everything else. There's different grades of everything. So you can see. You know, buckwheat honey should be very, very dark, uh, darker than maple syrup. So, oh wow, okay. yeah, yeah, should be. And the darker it is, the more, technically, the more pure buckwheat yeah. it is. So, all right. But again, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to put, you know, hundred thousand leashes on a bunch of bees and tell them <laughs> just to go to a buckwheat. <laughs> well, with that kind Five of attitude, attitude yeah. it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll get my dental floss. And super <laughs> Five miles of floss. <laughs> line going Damn it, they're tangled again. <laughs> Get the scissors. <laughs> Reminds me back in college, uh, one of my fraternity brothers, uh, he had a pet fly, Terrence, who managed to get a string around, not the wings though, and then tack it down to the deck, and Terrence would try to fly around. Yeah, if you want to do that with a bee, please, I'd like to. I'd like to video that. <laughs> that bee's gonna sting yeah, you. It's stung every time I try to do this. I don't understand it. I, I have a decent standing with the bees. At least I come. My parents have massive gardens, and so when I'm over there, the, there's well, they have. I think my mom's running seven 
hummingbird feeders this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, of course, all the bees and everything else like that. But, I mean, there have been multiple times this summer where I, I hear a B-52 engine flying <laughs> around. I look over, and it's a baseball that's red and yellow, or uh, black and yellow flying yeah. around, a little bumble bomber. <laughs> yeah, bumble bomber, yep, yep. Mason uh, bees, yeah. Haven't gotten stung by them yet. Did get stung by some ground bees a few years back. Yeah, those are the bad boys of the bunch right there. And, yeah, those are not bees by any means. Those are, are yeah. more hornet or Horneted wasps. wasps, yep. yep. Yeah, yep. the angry is full of piss and vinegar. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, so. Apparently, we just call any yellow bug a bee. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to the wasp family. They're like, God, why always get lumped in with these honeysuckers? <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking a little bit, you know, uh, unless you're... No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I have a stupid question, so... Go for it. Oh, no, I, I my So, like, growing up, we always heard, like, if a honeybee stings you, it's dead. Like, True story. True story? Okay. Yep, yep. Right. They actually detach their abdomen. That stays with their stinger. So how detrimental is that? Like, I know I know you have, you know, thousands of bees in a, or hundreds of bees in a hive. I don't know what the number is, but... A lot. So, yeah, so <laughs> if... If, like, a bear approaches and a bunch of bees go and sting said bear, how detrimental is that to the hive? That's a really good question that I probably can't answer. Um, okay. I would basically, you know, it depends on the size of the bear, because when bears attack, and I, I've had this happen personally this year, actually, uh, the bears are actually looking for the larvae. They're not Winnie the Poohing it and going on getting honey. Honey's I feel just, lied to. Yeah, honey's just a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Disney, they're always lying. Bad. Don't ever trust Walt Disney. <laughs> and I just watched Jungle Book with Bill Murray. As well, well, yeah, well, I mean, I thought you had just watched the new Winnie the Pooh movie with uh, no, uh, you and McGregor. No, I'll wait till it comes out on DVD and when nobody can witness me. You're going to get your own pot no, of honey yeah, out. That, no, that's going to be. <laughs> we know you're a manly man. You don't have to hide your feelings. Come here, give me a hug, good guy. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're they're basically looking for that protein. So okay. uh, larvae and and young bees that bears that and uh, again, honey is just a bonus. So, All right. Um, but yeah, they will definitely get stung. But you got to figure also a bear has a very extremely thick coat. Yeah. So the only vulnerability is basically their mouth and their nose. So so the bear is gonna get to the bees. Oh, he's getting way. it. Yeah. But I I I sorry I I guess I don't know what what a pre- if a person came and tried to but they're gonna be wearing something too like right 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 yeah and you and you know that whole allergic factor you have to watch out for that as well I mean you know everybody's allergic to bees that's why you have everybody's yeah. allergic to mosquitoes so yeah. it's just your severity of alert you know of. Uh, how allergic you really are and how many stings you can actually take before you know um, my mentor himself he's he actually does a venom shot every week because, oh really yep because he wasn't allergic and now he's a little more allergic let's just say so. okay so he, he takes the venom shot to like raise the tolerance up yep to help him out in case he you know happens to get it's like in princess bride with the dread peppered roberts taking the attacane powder <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah over here <laughs> inconceivable <laughs> so yeah all right. so all right so yeah so then if a large predator came and a bunch of bees stung it would like do badly for the hive have you yeah, have you had a death su- super well, strong yeah okay. but it definitely dent a population a so little bit. like have you had a decimated hive like where, from a bear well not 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 necessarily from a bear but just like for whatever reason uh the bees were dead or gone or whatever yep and that's again that rolls back to that those little 
little mites that we have, those okay. little, little fun guys yeah. that everybody hates as a beekeeper. Yeah, they definitely, um, you know, they can deplete the, the winter bee population so bad that your, your bees are looking good January, February. They're looking still looking pretty good, and all of a sudden you go out there in March, and all your bees are gone. They basically abscond, it's called, so they fly okay. out of the hive. Because and join it. Do they join another hive then? Or? Nope. Uh, they basically know that something's wrong. And they, they try to leave, and, and obviously they do that in February. It's a little bit chilly out there in February, and then, and then they, you just look outside, and your 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 snow-covered yard looks like salt and pepper out there. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a pretty bad deal. So, Is there any preventative measure you can take treating for you, mites? Treat or for just, mites. Just treat them? Yep, no, treat them. Yep. Yeah. Testing and treating. Uh, there's a test kit out there. Um, you basically... Grab some bees, put it in a, and again, I'm not, I'm, this is the short, short, short version. Uh, put a bunch of bees into a jar, shake them up and uh, with a powdered sugar roll and you sprinkle that over some water and you do a mite count and you multiply it by a certain number and then you know the number of mites that you have per colony, whether you should treat or not. Putting bees in a jar seems like a horrendous <laughs> task. That's where that, that suit thing comes in handy again. Again, something you definitely should not do without a, without a veil and gloves. <laughs> Uh, Something that you've obviously done without a veil. No. (laughs) Six o'clock at night, I'm good. We're fine. I'll just do a quick mite check. Have you done the bee beard? No, I haven't. And uh, I would, if anybody, any listeners out there has accessibility to that, I would be your victim or I'd love to try. Okay. So, yeah. That's not just something any beekeeper can do? Yeah, no, no. You need some pheromones (laughs) and you need some bees and and possibly an ambulance standing by. (laughs) That would be my recommendation, so... All right, I gotta add. What the hell's a bee beard? Oh, you haven't seen these? No, like they're yes, they're really you have. it's it's really cool. So basically, they put pheromones pheromones on your chin, and a bees form a beard. You get a bee beard, a beard of bees, if you will. I don't know what drunken conversation started that. You've not, look it up. I it's know, you gotta look. It, it up. They're absolutely amazing looking. Any listener, pull over. Uh, I know you're driving to work right now. Pull over, right. look, or wait until you're on company time and look up Bee Beard. There you like, go. It's they're they're super cool looking. Let's see here. Uh, it's, what the hell? You have your filter on. I hope it's 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 kind of <laughs> like uh, in Lord of the Rings, like or I guess the Hobbit, like Tom Bombadil. I feel like he would just wander around with a Bee Beard, <laughs> like <laughs> control over all the forest creatures, you know. Yeah. <laughs> These people are nuts. <laughs> Just bees. That have yeah. formed a beard. I've been stung enough times in my life that I don't like want to actively seek to do it again. From what I hear, they typically don't get stung at all, ever. Yeah. Huh. Not ever, but... We you know, it's very rare very for rare. somebody yep. doing a bee beard to get stung. Yep. This one is older photo, but this is kind of an epic beard. He's gone like full Gandalf with it. Oh yeah, yeah. They get really long too. I, it's it's one of those things where I think it would be just such a weird sensation. I would not doubt if there's some form of a competition out there, a bee beard competition. <laughs> oh, yeah. That guy with the cowboy hat there—he just looks. Look at him. He is just in bee heaven right there. Well, and it's, there's there's always the keeper like in the full like thing just pouring bee, bees on this guy's yeah. face yeah. like just waiting for the guy to get stung i yeah. think like oh this is gonna be great yeah and at that point what do you do you know you know what are you gonna ah scream you know <laughs> if you scream you're gonna make it yeah, worse yeah it's definitely gonna be worse <laughs> yeah 
that's where the the term EpiPen I think was invented. So <laughs> <laughs> we need to give this guy something fast. <laughs> he don't look so good. All right, Gordon, you had something to say before I rudely interrupted you. No, no. Um, I was just kind of curious. I mean, besides from selling to John Smith, Suzy Q uh, at uh, Nature's Nectar online, all one word. Dot dot com. com. (laughs) Dot com. Commercial-wise, I mean, we were talking a little bit about, you know, mead and beer. I mean, are you working with many brewers or anyone? Yeah, actually, we sell sell to a lot of breweries, bakeries, um, homebrew people as well. People are starting to get that's a that's a really good way to add sugar to something that otherwise you'd have to use you know again high fructose corn syrup lactose whatever you're using and it again pulls out a different taste that you know uh, uh, honey vice I think was broke some type of record I'm sure at one point oh, when yeah. it first came out so so uh, yeah definitely a good thing to try and I'm interested I've I've tried my hand at mead before and I kind of want to try that the buckwheat with that see what yeah kind of, yeah that'd, yeah, that'd be a very that. interesting character with it you know usually the first person out either flies or fails so i mean you got a 50 50 chance whether right. it's just gonna be <laughs> and if you do just remember where you got it from right <laughs> <laughs> and quit my full-time job oh, going yeah. to full mead production yeah sounds fine with hey me. we need a meadery up here <laughs> man i don't know that'd like we, we have a couple but they turn into wineries probably so cut quick. my overhead down from going to Renfest every yeah. year and where last time I was down there's over $250 worth of mead at $6 a cup. Yeah, yeah it's it it adds up. Yeah. But you get real hammered. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know a guy that can help you out with that situation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cooking applications. I mean, do you see a lot of people just, you know, a- again, average Joe Schmo Oh yeah, that kind of stuff? cooking medicinal uh honey they're finding more and more, and again, I'm going to revert back to the, the, the U of MB lab, uh, cures to cancer, or not cures, but links to cancer to prevent and certain you know uh, ailments or s- uh, side effects or whatever you could say. Um, definitely in cooking. Cooking, honey has been around in cooking for years and years and years. Um, seasonal I with, allergies. Yep, definitely seasonal. Again, local beekeeper, you, want, you know, you want to get that. And, and people treat it like a regimen. I mean, you have to tablespoon a day a couple weeks before the allergy season and continuing through the allergy season i've i've personally helped a lot of people with that so um but cooking i cook with it all the time um and you run you now with the advantage of the internet you can get so many recipes out there it's ridiculous and i've tried a ton of them uh i'll even share a recipe with you for burns Uh, i did uh, uh honey lavender oil and peppermint oil and you mix those three together, and absolutely phenomenal for burns. Huh. You, know, I, you know, again, skeptical. You read something, you're like, "Oh, how's honey gonna yeah. help you for the burn?" And I did a steam burn on my finger on accident, and uh, I happened to know a guy that has a little bit of honey laying around. And uh, I tried this ailment out, and it was it was no joke. It really it really worked. Oh, could Mike O'Hara, a brewer down at Swingbridge, could have used that a couple of years ago? Oh. <laughs> uh, he was working there making a um, God knows how many gallons of root beer. And Jeff, the other who's the assistant brewer, who is eight feet tall, lifted up too fast, and all oh, the steam no. came and hit him, of course, Ooh. on his arm, and that looked pretty bad there for oh god, three four months. 
Ooh, yeah, that might be a little beyond the uh, honey and peppermint. Nah, just yeah. keep slapping yeah. honey on it. It'll be fine. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. Saran wrap. More and more honey. Yeah, yeah. 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 Give uh, my phone number. Because yeah. uh, you, you know what bacteria likes yeah. better than anything else? Yeah. Sugar. Yeah, uh, right. I highly recommend immersing yourself in a 55-gallon drum of honey to cure all ailments. Uh, actually, it, it makes you younger. It's uh, proven. Definitely. Um, yeah, Weight so loss. You can, you can buy 50-gallon drums of honey at uh, Nature's Nectar on Online.com. True uh, story. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I'm on a question. I, I, I mean, I just through. like, so honey is one of those like things that just never goes bad, right? Like, have you ever had an, in, an instance of like rancid honey? Like, no. Nope. That's just not a thing, right? No, it's not. And actually it's, um, it's in, uh, good indefinitely. Um, and, you know, I'm sure people, you know, I, I hear it actually tell me, people tell me all the time, oh, I've heard stories where they find it in Egyptian tombs and it's yep. totally still good. And yes, that I, I've looked it up several times just to make sure. As long as you don't dilute it. As soon as you Correct. dilute it. Yep. As soon you, as you add water. Yeah. Yep. 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 Is that why a lot of store-bought mass-produced stuff will crystallize, you know, if you don't use it nope. in time? all honey crystallizes. Okay. If, if it doesn't, then it probably has high fructose corn syrup mixed so, in with it. Uh, so, what's, what's, what's your go-to, like, if you have, like, crystallized honey, like, do you do the warm water bath? Do you microwave it? Like, how do you... A hundred percent do not microwave it. When you microwave it, you, you get rid of all the medicinal purposes that honey would have in it. And uh, actually, you you reconstruct the honey again, and, and the crystals will form faster and larger the next go around. Oh, really? Okay. Yep, yep. So uh, we recommend uh, removing the cap. That's the big thing because uh, when honey gets heated, it expands. So you don't want to blow your top off of honey. But uh, either a crock pot with water, or uh, some stoves have like a, a warm setting on their on their on the stovetop. Put water in a pan and throw the honey in. So there. just barely warm it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Not too hot. You don't want to pasteurize it, and you don't want to get it hot too hot because mm-hmm. then, again, you kill kill all the good parts of the honey. Um, and then, yeah, it'll go right back to liquid, and you're good for, it depends. I mean, sometimes it could be five months, six months with it, and then once it gets crystallized, just do it again. You can keep doing it over and over and over again. All right. Yeah. Well, just to wrap things up here, uh, like you said, I mean, we could be going into four or five o'clock in the morning about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything that I said was the short, three. short, short version, <laughs> so a lot of beekeepers are out there going to be like, what is he talking about? <laughs> it's time for a uh, beekeeping podcast, I think. Right? I feel like that's uh, that's something we should... <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. A weekly podcast. A weekly lot. podcast right. uh, well, released you've on done uh, 80 style nature, uh, na- naturenectaronline.com. Uh, <laughs> All one word. <laughs> All one word. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're doing the 80 beer challenge for homebrew. It's time Brown. for the 80 honey challenge, right? <laughs> yeah, 80, 80 flavors of mead. That'd be fun. Oh, man. I don't oh. think I could afford that. No, you could. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'll cut you a deal. I'll cut you a deal. Official sponsor. Yeah, there you go. There there you second go. mortgage. Uh. <laughs> I do have five L buildings. One of them can be turned into a sleep shack for you. So. <laughs> Get a little heater in there for the winter. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> ah, we'll go in floor heat for you. We'll be nice. <laughs> well, Tom, do you have any, you know, parting advice you'd give to someone that's, you know, really on the fence of whether or not they want to get bees? You know, we're at the end of the season now this fall. Uh, but thinking, you know, I'm going to order them this winter, have them ready for next spring. Yeah, um, definitely try it. Uh, it's, it's not as daunting as some people make it out to be. Um, 
and it's just something cool to try. I mean, we have, you know, kids that are doing it and that just love doing it. You know, it's just something that's that's unique. And obviously you can you can definitely help out the populations of bees. Obviously, we're in trouble with that still. Um, you can help out that part of it, too. But yeah, it's just it's just a really, really fun hobby and it's constantly changing. So it's not like, you know, you buy this thing and then it sits in your yard and then you're done with it. It's something that's con- you can you can divide. You can you know, an income can be made off of it. Uh, there's just so many good things about keeping bees that I would say strongly, and it's not just because I own a business and I, you know, I'm trying to make a buck or anything like that. Even if you don't buy your equipment from naturesnectaronline.com, all one word, um, just try it, just try it. Get out there and try it, get, get some equipment and start keeping bees. It's a really, really fun hobby. What kind of uh, space requirement, like what, what's the minimum amount of space you would want to have to have bees? Well, that's the, that's the beauty of it. A lot of my customers, uh, they're in Minneapolis, St. Paul, so they don't have acreage, they have feet. Okay. Uh, rooftop bees are another big thing right now. So if you have a corporation and, you know, a lot of corporations are doing rooftop bees, they'll help bees out. So um, you, as far as what you need, check with your city ordinances. Some cities don't allow beekeeping which is which really really baffles me because we have uh, i think lionel lakes you're not allowed to keep bees oh really and you can't be any more country than lionel lakes so <laughs> I, totally totally you know all right so all the to all the board members out there in lionel lakes come on come on guys <laughs> yeah, let's so wake if up you, if you have yeah. space on a balcony you can keep bees pretty much yep yep you want to be respectful of your neighbors you know yeah. Yeah, a lot of people freak out they see a bee and they think you know game's over i'm gonna i'm gonna die or whatever but um generally bees are, are they kind of keep to themselves yeah they're not going to hurt you if you don't hurt them right yeah i mean there's people keep bees for years and their neighbors didn't even know they had them so it's just one of those things that's kind of like the silent friend you know that you can't really see but you'd see it when you step on it but other than that you're good well thanks again for coming down here oh thank you thank you thank you for another another episode and get a little bit more in depth yeah stuff um or maybe break it up into a three, four part series. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> and yeah, Tom, we can do that. Uh, where, where can people find you online? Um, naturesnectaronline.com, all one word. And do you have any, you know, you mentioned farmer's markets. Do you have any plans coming up for where you're going to be selling? Uh, yeah, we're currently at the North Branch Farmer's Market, which is pretty far north. Um, also online, naturesnectar.com, online, all one word. We do sell honey there as well, along with all the equipment, and we are always open to answer questions. So if you have questions and you're a beekeeper and you want to know what to do or how to get started, we have uh, two different emails you can get a hold of us at and phone numbers. So just give us a call. Uh, Any social media at all? Uh, Facebook is about it for now. Um, Once we get a little more depth after, after January... Uh, that's the bigger transition. We just we just bought the house and we're setting up the facility in, nice. in North North Stillwater May Township. So um, when, once we get rock and roll with that, we'll start pumping out some. You know, we do a a daily blog currently right okay. now that you can look at. So um, so uh, so people can get a hold of you on on Facebook. I'm guessing that's uh, Nature's Nectar. Online.com, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a catchy little tune you guys are going to be singing next, <laughs> next couple of days. <laughs> Well, thanks again, Tom. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I'll be happy to have you down here again. Like for I said, sure. You know, get a little more in depth for it, especially for the seasoned veterans and beekeepers out there. And for if you want to listen to this episode again or any other episodes, make sure to go to thearenaoutpost.com. Hit episodes. It's going to send you a link to Blind Ninja Studios. From there, you can check out other shows like Homebrew Brown and Department of Defense. Uh, thanks again for listening, folks. See you next time.